Hello, and welcome to Table Talk Friday, your weekly dose of D&D banter between three lads in a bedroom. If you like their style, make sure to follow them on whichever podcast service you prefer, and come back every Friday for another upload. Now, back to the boys. Or, um... Well, it could be anything, though. Because yeah. they were, they talked about uh, well, I don't I don't want to keep fucking talk about this I don't know if we're <laughs> we're talking about episode <laughs> stuff but I'm getting really into it. What's up, gang? And welcome to this episode, this extra special episode of Table Talk Friday. On uh, this is probably coming out on a Monday, so Table, Table Talk, talk Monday. Monday. Table Talk Monday, patent pending. Um, we're gonna go across, uh, go through this new book that came out, Fizban's Treasure Fizban, as Zach calls him. Treasury of Dragons. It's a brand new Wizards of the Coast 5e um, bestiary, whatever you want to call it, lore book. Um, but it's a new official guide to dragons. Yep, yep. Um, so, I guess we can uh, just jump right in and start talking yeah, about... Yeah, I'd, lo- uh, I'd love to talk about like first impressions. Yeah, so first of all, um, the most important thing I think we can all agree... Uh, character options uh, are present in here, and um, I think overall this book is very much uh, in line with what Wizards of the Coast usually does, which is, um, and ever since, you know, after the Monster Manual, they always release uh, just like a few character options in, in whatever books. So um, Volo's Guide to Monsters had the different character races, and then uh, Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes had some, some options for tieflings and that sort of thing. Um, so they always try and throw them in there. Uh, Fizzbins has it as well. Um, so the the f- main uh, things that they're adding are uh, variant Dragonborn, which is cool. Um, so they've got uh, different types. So rather than choosing your um, bronze or red or or that sort of thing, and just having um, that be the uh, the only qualifier there, they actually split it up between chromatic Dragonborn. Uh, metallic dra- dragonborn and then the new gem dragonborn which is really cool as well um a- additionally uh gem dragons are uh, are sort of a big fo- focal point uh, of the book in general uh, and we'll sort of get into that as we go but uh, i think that these uh, these character options are uh, pretty solid um they also add two new sub races as well the um the new dragon uh, flavored monk, the uh, way of the ascendant dragon, and then the Drake Warden Ranger, um, which are both uh, interesting subclasses that we can get into a, uh, in a second here. But um, yeah, uh, what, what are sort of our thoughts on the on the new uh, race I'm, options? I'm a fan of the new abilities they're giving to Dragonborns right now. I mean, as far as like the the changes to breath weapons that have been made. As well as like giving each one like a specific ability. Um, that being like, I like the chromatic dragonborn's ability, the one where uh, they can make themselves immune at fifth level to whatever damage type they're. Um, what what's what's a good word for it? Whatever damage type they represent. So whether it's heritage, um, if you will. acid, lightning, mm-hmm. poison, fire, cold for chromatic dragons, whichever one, uh, you can just be immune to that for one minute. Um, if you use this ability, and I just find that pretty rad. <laughs> well, yeah, because dragons are inherently like pretty much any full dragon that yeah. you run into is gonna have immunity, so it's cool to uh, to have that full functionality as a as a dragonborn. Uh, also, additionally, just across the board, the the dragonborn's breath weapon has been buffed just a little bit. 
Um, so it, it scales got, now. Yeah, and it scales a lot. Uh, well, it, it used to scale as well, but it just wasn't very viable. Yeah. Um, and now you can, I believe, yeah, you can replace one of your attacks using uh, your attack action with the breath weapon. So if you have extra attack, you're not wasting your whole action to just do the, the breath right. attack, which um, is uh, is pretty powerful there. I, I'm actually a, uh, I, I'm a big fan of the, the gem dragonborn um, uh, flavor overall. I like the, uh, the psionic mind thing um, that they've got going on, but also uh, at fifth level they get... A, uh, a brief flight, which I think is kind of the thing that you want <laughs> out of your uh, your dragon-flavored character. I think it's cool. Um, I feel like it's, you know, much akin to the... Um, what other race has that that flying ability for a minute? Uh, Ozum- Azamar. Azamar. I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of akin to that. Um, I, I like that the Gem Dragonborn has it, but I can't see myself using it that often in flavor. So, like, that ranks a little lower for me. I'm like, eh. I, I think Gem Dragonborns are cool, and would I play one? Yeah, probably, but... I don't think I would play it because I'm like, oh, I can fly for a minute. Yeah, yeah. And then the um, Metallic Dragonborn also have uh, their special feature. They have an enhanced breath weapon. Uh, Overall, I feel like this is probably the weakest of the three options. Um, But it's not terrible. Um, So each creature uh, in a cone, uh, you can either make it so that um, uh, each creature must make a constitution saving throw or become incapacitated until the start of your next turn, meaning that they can't take actions or bonus actions. Um, so you pretty much knock out uh, a whole turn for them, or they get pushed back 20 feet uh, and are knocked prone uh, whenever you use your breath weapon. Which is pretty strong. That's pretty dang strong right there. Yeah. I, I think it's cool. Um, I and Knowing that I've played a Dragonborn before and that I've never used a breath weapon, like, willingly, uh, I'm like, eh, well, it's cool. I like that it's there. But, um, yeah, well, that, and, it's the one, it's the one that I would definitely use the least. Yeah. But that said, maybe, uh, and we haven't play tested this, so right, we, um, right. we can't say for sure, but, uh, I imagine the breath weapon would be seeing a lot more use, uh, with this variant version right. of Dragonborn, um, just because they, they give you more options to actually use it. Um, so, uh, that's, that's neat. Uh, personally, I'm also not a big fan of Dragonborn in general. Um, <laughs> I, I don't love playing them. So, um, this has revitalized the the whole option for me, so I might uh, give it another you know, actually, look. You know, actually try it, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I've played Dragonborn in the past um, <laughs> under different circumstances, but... Um, <laughs> but it was forced circumstances, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but um, but yeah, maybe I'll give it another look. Uh, the main thing that I'm excited about, uh, just from the player side, is uh, is the new subclass options. Specifically, the way of the Ascendant Dragon Monk is super cool. So you're a, a monk who's either been trained by a dragon or has, like, you know, some dragon uh, energy inside of them. Maybe, like, a, a sorcerer. They've got uh, dragon's blood in their heritage or yeah. or whatever. Um, but this is... I'm surprised that it's taken this long for, like, this specific flavor of monk yeah. to show up. Because that's just very iconic. Like, you think of the... Um, uh, you know the the path of the dragon as like a, a fighting style, um, and um, yeah, a monk inspired by by dragons is just super flavorful. Um, so they get a a breath weapon attack as well. Um, it's not necessarily uh, like it comes out of their mouth though. It's just sort of like a a cone or line of whatever uh, like elemental type 
Um, I try to imagine this very Avatar: The Last Airbendery, like where they just like like where the Firebenders actually like punch forward in their elements. Mm-hmm. I kind of imagine it in that way, just because I think that's like super rad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, I like their um their flavorful stuff too. They get um they can add a bonus, I believe. Yeah, you can use a reaction to re-roll a failed uh, intimidation or persuasion check, um, which is and, super and, cool. Yeah, and you can keep doing that until. Uh, you turn a failure into a success and then can't use that again until a long rest. Uh, you also can change your unarmed strike damage to just do whichever damage type you want. So acid, cold, fire, lightning, or poison. Um, and that's just for all of your unarmed strikes, yeah. which is pretty cool. Uh, especially if you're running into uh, monsters that are weak to fire or whatever. It'd mm-hmm, be nice mm-hmm. to just turn on that option. All right. Like you maybe know. if you were in hell or something. <laughs> yeah, it'd be super handy. That would never hell. happen. <laughs> I think with uh, with those new additions, we maybe will end up seeing some uh, Dragonborn Bards, perhaps, or some uh, Dragonborn Monks. That'd be pretty cool. I feel like it's not a very common combination of class and race that you would see in most games. Yeah, I, I agree. I haven't seen a lot of, like, Dragonborn Monks, but I mean, it would be super cool to have someone with, like, Dragon Blood in their heritage who's actually fighting using, like, all of that, like, those abilities that would come with being, like, in a... Dra- in a eh, having a bloodline that is draconic. Yep, yep. Um, uh, other cool uh, just tidbits about the Ascendant Dragon Monk before we move on. Um, they can use their Step of the Wind to uh, get a flying speed until the end of their turn, which I think is super awesome because really as a monk, cool. they also have their yeah. slow fall. So I'm just imagining a monk who skyrockets up into the air for Upper a second. Uppercuts a giant in the chin. Yeah. And, and then slow falls. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Like, you just elect to stay up in the air uh, and then fall back down I, slowly. I thought that was super cool, too. I was like, oh, this would actually make Step of the Winds get some use. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is so cool. Because, like, when I played Schmidt, I would use Step of the Winds a good bit. But, like, I never see anybody else use it nowadays. And, man, I would love to see, like, just... Oh, that that dragon uppercut is what gets me. I would just love to see someone just like, or just running and just jumping to the top of a cliff with Step of the Winds like that. Oh. So you can, wait, so hold up now. With monks, we can fly around, right? We can just fall off cliffs. We can run up cliffs. We, we can, can do anything you need to do, basically, with a yeah. monk. Anywhere you need to get, you can get there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, perfect. I mean, they're the hypermobile fighter. You I know? guess they really are. You know, I feel like we've seen uh, recently a lot more things that can fly nowadays. Because over in, in Witchlight that came out not too long ago, we have the fairies. Now we have um, the Twilight Cleric that has some flying abilities. We have this Dragon Monk that can fly. The new Dragonborn can fly. There's just a lot of more flying. Mm-hmm. Which is cool. I feel like I don't yeah. have to lose that. Well, I think that before it was kind of viewed as a little too strong that you can fly all the time. But nowadays it's not really viewed that way. I'm like, okay, if my character can fly, I'll just, you know... Work around it. It's it's not that hard to work around a character that can fly, but um, you're saying like as a DM, yeah, as, if, a, as if a one D- of your players, can yeah, fly. as a DM, if one of my players can always fly, you know, you got to work around that. You got to design a dungeon that, you know, if it's got verticality involved, they no longer have to worry about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a uh, multiple ways to handle that. Ideally, super j- gravity, yeah, or <laughs> put them in close quarters so there's nowhere that they could benefit. Uh, by flying around too. Um, yeah, you could even throw that on its head where um, maybe you want a character who can fly for this specific circumstance. I was I was thinking maybe even design spots where they need a person who can fly. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and, and like, or design your dungeons like befitting to that player because I don't want to cr- like handicap my player for having a cool creative idea that involves flying, you know? Yeah. Well, you got to keep in mind, flying already comes with the downside of they're in the air. If they end up getting knocked out, that's an automatic death save. If they end up 
anything happens where they can't fly anymore, they're going down. Yeah. So, I mean, there's already the, the automatic downsides to that. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, but imagine the, so the, the new monk, you're, you have like a huge hundred foot gap. They use their step of the wind. They throw themselves uh, over the cliff, but their flying ends at like 60 feet. So now they have to like do a front flip and right before they hit the ground, they start their slow fall. Like all the way to get to the other side and catch it. Like, oh, that's just so cool. Well, I'm now. Yeah, and so <laughs> full disclosure, <laughs> next character I make, I'm I'm gonna use this way of the ascendant dragon. I just think it's so cool. Yeah. Um, other uh, stuff they get, they get an aura at 11th level um, that can have a frightful presence that you'd expect from a dragon uh, or resistance. <clears throat> and uh, at 17th level, they enhance their aura. Um, their breath gets uh, more powerful. They get blind sight and. Uh, they do an explosion when they activate their uh, their eleventh level order. Yeah, and well. we don't need to go through like every single uh, yeah, detail yeah, yeah. in the book. Like, but I mean, overall, I think the new monk is really cool. I, I think it's awesome. Uh, I might use it at some point, but there are other monks that I'd like to play right now. So you know, it'll probably be on the back burner until I play another one. Um, but I think you know, overall, new monk is cool. Let's move on to that ranger. Yep. So. Uh, Perhaps my favorite class is the ranger. That might be a, um, you know, controversial thing to say. We've talked about it before, but yeah. I, I just, I've had a lot of great experiences with playing rangers. Um, rangers I, are fun. Yeah, so I, I love the the flavor of this. It's like a beast master, except you have a, uh, not a full dragon, uh, they call it a drake, but it's a draconic creature that eventually grows um, it starts out small, uh, eventually becomes medium, and then at 17th level, it's finally large enough and strong enough uh, to carry you on its back and fly with you. Yeah. Um, I, I really like the um, the goal there. Uh, so yeah, you can imagine a whole campaign where you're yes, a character. Yes, that's who, what I was gonna say. Yeah, who's gonna grow over this time with this uh, dragon that they have, and you know you get a strong bond. I'm thinking like. Uh, the Aragon books um, that I, I read <laughs> as a teen, I was really into that, um, where, um, you know, you're a dragon rider in training, yeah. and, and uh, it's all about growing. How to and, train your dragon, yeah, I mean, yeah, the classic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it, it's um, it's that flavor, which, it's awesome, um, it's a fairly powerful option, I think it's better uh, in almost every way than the Beastmaster, which kind of sucks for people who like that. <laughs> no, I mean, I think the new Beastmaster is still great, and you can change out your animals as you go and everything, um, but if you are looking specifically for a dragon, well... Yeah. Um, the, my one uh, complaint about it... Um, oh, you know what? It's not at 17th. It's at 15th level that it becomes large. Um, but you do have to wait until 15th level before you can ride on your dragon. No, which, no, it's, you I, know, think it was, I think it was 7th level. No, no, uh, seventh level, it gains the ability to fly, uh, and you can ride it as a mount, um, but it cannot fly while you're riding it. What? Yeah, so they don't give you that option. Yeah, it says while you are riding your drink, it can't use the flying speed of this feature. Yeah. So, so weird. Now, I'm, I'm okay with that for the flavor of it, like you're raising your dragon, it can't yet fly, you know, it's big enough to carry you, but not to fly with you. Um, but what is very weird to me, though is I can just go purchase a griffin or like a hippogriff. If you, know, if you know of a city that uses them, you can you can find a trainer, you can do those things in your campaigns. I've done it before for my players. So the fact that you can get a mount that can fly, but your dragon can't fly, kind of sucks a little bit. Um, but I honestly wouldn't knock points against it for that for me, just because I already think like it's 
pretty cool, pretty powerful, and if you can already like fly on your dragon too, I mean, being uh, being a ranger, being as strong as you would be on its back, that is pretty powerful. Yeah, and uh, it, it does track sort of with other features that would allow you to do something similar. So um, the thing that comes to mind is Find Greater Steed is a fourth level spell. Mm-hmm. As a paladin, you're not going to get that until, what, 13th level? Something like that, yeah, um, that's true. So that, I think the idea here was probably not to step on uh, the toes there uh, too much. Yeah. Like, you know, not make the paladins too upset <laughs> about what? This was a cool thing that only we had, and now yeah. rangers get it at 7th level, so it, it makes sense to uh, lock it behind such a high level. It's not super overpowered, though. Um, overall, a, a cool uh, class in general, though. You can do some cool stuff with your uh, your drake. I believe it can infuse its uh, elemental type in some of your attacks. I'm imagining like a... Uh, ranger that knocks an arrow and then the uh, the drake just like spits a, a bout of fire and then you shoot the arrow <laughs> oh through God. it and then into your enemy something yeah. like that. What it's is so cool. really weird to me though is they could they could have put it behind uh, a weight limit or something like unless it's like you know unless you're fifty pounds or less you know if you're wearing heavy armor no way that thing's picking you up but if you're like a gnome and uh, you're wearing light armor as a as a ranger I feel like it could be it could carry you right. Yeah, well, and that was sort of my thought as well. Um, it, and I think it's a little strange because, uh, as far as I'm aware, usually to mount a creature, it has to be one size category larger than you. But when your drake becomes medium, you can, uh, mount you, it. You can ride it even when you're medium. I almost feel like if you're a small creature at that point, you should be able to ride it. But uh, it, it, it makes sense that they wouldn't want... Because if that were the case... Only small creatures would ever choose this class. Right, I I get it, but at the same time, when I when I think about it, I'm just like, everything needs to make sense to me in D and D. We said that in the last episode, and when we talked about dungeons, I want everything to make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me the way it's worded. I agree. I think maybe based on the fact that they do it at seventeenth level, we we all just talked about you know flies not that powerful. You should be able to do it a little bit earlier. Um, it is on par with the leveling of some sorcerers or tempest clerics that do get that innate ability to fly around that level. I think it's like 15, 18 yeah. ish. So I guess it's kind of bad. My problem isn't the balance. balance. My problem is not the balance at all. I think I think you're right. I think that's why they did it the way it is. But it needs to make sense to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if, if it's big enough to carry me as a small creature, and uh, if it's any other creature that's medium and uh, can fly, I can ride on it. Why can't I ride it now? Mm-hmm. I think looking looking past the fly thing, though, more most importantly for this ranger is they played on one of the coolest aspects of a ranger is having a friend, which is the Beastmaster, the Drake Warden now, yes. the Swarm Keeper, having something that you work with that's alive, that you're just kind of like... It's you're, very you're cool. teammates, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the coolest aspects of it, and they played on it. So, you know, bravo to it. It's a cool class. I'd no, it's, it's very cool. Um... As far as feats and stuff go, um, they have a couple of gifts. Gifts of the Chromatic Dragon, Gem Dragon, Metallic Dragon. Um, these are all cool little ways to add in a little bit more flavor to, to your character based on um, what, what type of Dragonborn you are. These are, I believe, strictly Dragonborn? Uh, they're not. No? Nope. So it's uh, it's extended to anyone, which is oh, cool. Oh, okay. Um, I think that's a nice way to throw in a little bit of flavor on um, if you're choosing a Draconic-based class, like a... Like uh, dragon sorcerer or uh, or one of these two options and uh, one of these would fit in great or can if, i tell you how yeah. to just absolutely break your game as a wizard yeah choose the gift of the metallic dragon 
because you get Cure Wounds, and you can cast the spell without expending a spell slot, and you can use the spell. Mm-hmm. So, you can become a wizard with healing, everything that everyone's always wanted. So just play a dragon, or if you wanted to make perfect flavorful sense, play a metallic dragon, dragonborn, wizard, boom, everything makes sense in the campaign, and you can now heal as a wizard. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty... Uh... Uh, they, they haven't had anything official yet, I believe, to allow you to heal as a wizard, correct? Other than aid? I, I want. Uh, yes. I yep. want. Well, aid. You're not supposed to get as a wizard. It's uh, the reason I have it is with my characters because I multi-class into uh, uh, a different class that had it. Right. Um, gotcha. But I do believe cure wounds is an art artificer spell. Yeah. There is a feat that will give you a spell that artificers have or off the artificer list, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So you should be able to pull off something similar with Tasha's if you take that. Um, it'd be artificer initiate. Or, or something like that. Um, that. Okay, theme. so you could do a similar thing. Yeah. There's ways to do it, but this is way cooler because, you know, you get flavors of dragon, too. Well, yeah, no, I mean, I think this is, like, super cool, um, maybe a little bit better, even, because you can use it once for free. But, oh, yeah, sure. that was the, the first th- time that I read this. I was like, oh, shoot. Any wizard can heal now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Start as variant human wizard, take gift of the metallic dragon, boom, I can heal. Scratch that, anybody can heal now. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, you could be a, a fighter if you really wanted. Yeah. Uh, who's got their, their cure wounds. And then, um, what, you can use your reaction to boost your AC uh, equal to proficiency bonus. Yeah, oh, it's wow. like you sprout a pair of, like, wings and they protect you. That's pretty cool. It's like a little uh, parry ability that some of the, the bandits have in the handbook. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's also extended to creatures within five feet of you, so like uh, yeah, like the cool. protective fighting style. So that's super cool. Um, Uh That was chapter one, all of the character options, the things we can do with our characters. Um, Next up are the dragon magic, the new spells that were added in. And uh, I got to say, reading through these spells, I'm a big fan. Um, They added a lot of types of spells that I feel like the game kind of needed. Just because I've I've played a lot of D&D. I've seen all the spells, pretty much. Um, (laughs) I'd, I'd like some more. I'd like to see more spells. So... Through this, we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven new spells. And these are a lot of names I don't really know how to pronounce, but bear with me. We have Nathair's Mischief, Rhyme's Binding Ice, Asher Dallin's Stride, Rowlethim's Psychic Lance, Summon Draconic Spirit, that's an easy one, Fizzband's Platinum Shield, and Draconic Transformation. And I gotta say, Asher Dallin's Stride is my favorite new spell. Because I just love the idea of dancing around the <clears throat> battlefield with flame, like leaving a flame trail behind me. Yeah. So, so um, what does that spell do? So, after Alan Stride, basically, it's a concentration spell, much like um, haste and whatnot. It's going to increase your speed by, I think, twenty feet, right? Yep. Increase your movement speed by twenty feet. You do not take attacks of opportunity as you move around the battlefield, and as you continue going around, um, you're going to do fire damage to those that you pass by. So. I'm absolutely in love with that because it means that if there's a lot of enemies and you're like, okay, I can just run through all of these guys, get two attacks on the last enemy, and then run back, like you're just going to do a ton of damage as you pass through the whole battlefield with the enemies. It's just really cool, too. Like, imagine your um, your ranger using a, a lance, dancing around the battlefield, going for a couple of slashes at some guys. As he moves between targets, he's leaving just a flame trail and burning their ankles. Oh, shoot. That is a ranger spell. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. That's what I was thinking. I was like, <laughs> oh, this is awesome. Um, I think it's perfect for rangers. I, I think personally. it's perfect for rangers, too. What uh, what type of magic is it? Could a an eldritch uh, knight have it, maybe? 
Uh, it is on the wizard spell list, so if you um, what, that, I think Eldritch Knights get up to fourth level slots. So yeah, so that's third they, level. Yeah, they could cast it at some point. Yep, that would be really cool. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, that would be very cool for an Eldritch Knight. I but at the same time, it. I feel like an Eldritch Knight would take haste. Yeah, well, and, and that's um, that is my biggest complaint with a Shardalon Stride. So uh, benefits for it over haste. It's a bonus action. Um, you can hit more targets. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have that downside where once the spell ends, you uh, cease to be able to take actions for uh, one round, yeah. I believe. Yeah. So uh, that's cool, good, um, but haste does give you a lot more oomph for that same third level slot. I think it depends on your build because I think this can be better for you um, given, like, if you're a solo ranger. I think as a solo ranger, it could still be better for you because... You're going to be doing this bonus action, going to get your turn that turn, and you can hit a lot of targets in one turn. Uh, likewise, if um, you plan on using this with other classes, like a, a wizard or a sorcerer, and you plan on using this on yourself, um, say you're protecting yourself with shield, and you just feel like, all right, well, I'm going to wait until someone attacks me, use shield, and run through everyone to get a lot of damage off on everyone at one time, and run them to the other side of the battlefield. can be very helpful in that way. It's so, perfectly viable. Yeah, I think I think it's a very viable spell, very balanced, not too broken, not too um, under underwhelming that like, oh, well, I'm still just going to take haste, you know? Because mm-hmm. I could see myself taking it over haste in those situations. I, I think this is a good spell to keep in the back of your mind when uh, designing custom magic items. Yes. No, I think this yes. would be a good... Uh, I'd, I'd say to the exclusion of other Boots spells, of I probably... Yeah, I, I, I probably wouldn't take this uh, spell... Um, just because of the reasons that we discussed, but if like you know you get a little extra, or like as a wizard you find it in a spell book mm-hmm. and just happen to copy it down, okay, I could see um, you know picking this up or giving it to a monk who's already going to be moving around the battlefield a lot can be very useful as well because monks don't get as much use of haste as like the harder hitting classes do. You know True. what I mean? Yeah. So I feel like that could be better if you plan on using it on a monk. Um, so like okay, if I use this on Varus. And he goes running around the battlefield, burning everybody and getting a bunch of hits in. That's going to be way better than me giving him one extra attack for his D6. Agreed. You know what I mean? Um, we don't have to go through every single uh, spell, but I would like to cover my favorite uh, of the bunch here. Uh, Summon Draconic Spirit is awesome. But, yes. um, but I do love, uh, my personal favorite is Rolathim's Psychic Lance. And so um, this is just... Very one, cool. Yeah, it, so it's another one of those... Um, uh, psychic damage attacks, uh, very much like, um, and now I'm forgetting of the name, it's like synoptic uh, static or something like that, um, but it's a, a single target, and what's cool about it is, uh, so it's got a range of 120 feet, but I just love this flavor, um, so it's a creature that you can see, or if you know the creature's name, you can call it out and you don't have to see them, so oh. I, I, I'm just imagining like uh, a battle between like, uh, what, like a shadow dragon and a red dragon, and then the shadow dragon turns invisible and, uh, you know, like, flies around the corner. Yeah. And then the uh, the red dragon just calls out, hey, whatever your name is, I see you. And then, uh, you know, oh. you, you smack him out of it. Yeah, with that, um, I like that. Uh, psychic damage. Um, the only it, similar thing I can think of are uh, the seeking arrows for the arcane archers. Yeah. You know, it's the only thing I can think that kind of relates to that. Yeah, I like that. Um, Drew, do you have a favorite spell in here? Absolutely. Um, so, a couple hours ago, I agreed with you. Seth, and I really liked that uh, the fire spell, I can't remember the name of it a moment ago. All these names are super long. Asher Dallin Stride, I believe. Ashardalon. 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 Sorry, 
Asher Dallin's still kind of cool, though, so I'm going to say Asher Dallin. It's definitely a, a Shardalon. No, you're probably right. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter because my favorite spell is Rhyme's Binding Ice. It's very it is simple. Cool. It's a second level spell, so very viable for anybody playing D&D. I like the picture of it. Um, you basically blast a bunch of cold yeah, energy yeah. in a cone in front of you, and people make a save, pretty simple. If they pass the save, it's half damage and it's cold damage, but if they fail the save... Essentially, they're frozen. Their movement is zero. So imagine there's a group of goblins or bugbears or something in front of you. You blast forward this this ray of ice, this cone, almost like a like a white dragon's uh, breath weapon at them. And all of a sudden, all of their feet are just frozen to the ground. They can't get you. Oh, there's a picture of it right there. Oh, yeah, so cool. It's as the audience here, audience, I'll show insane. you what it looks like too. <laughs> <laughs> Which, um, the, mentioning uh, the pictures and uh, the artwork in this book. Uh, oh, well, absolutely beautiful. Yeah, we'll, we'll sort of get to our overall thoughts eventually. Yeah, um, at the very end we'll do like sort of uh, what we think of it, you know, we can do an out of ten too if we'd like. Yeah, but um, but I, I would just like to commend this book for some of the coolest artwork that, that I've seen in a D&D book. I'll talk about my favorite picture later because I have one uh, that I was running through. <laughs> Um, but yeah, there's one picture in here that I'm like, oh, I absolutely love this. And I'll point out the page number and everything when we get there. Yeah, um, but they, they just, um, there's a lot of good artwork that really conveys the scale of like, that's a big dragon. That's a big dragon, <laughs> yeah. The Great Worms, yeah. Uh-huh. That's, I've seen that one. Yeah, we'll, um, we'll get there. Well, okay. Let's, let's be real though. The cutest picture in the book is the baby blue dragon wormling. He's really cute. I don't. I can't remember pages. I think he's in the thirties, but he's so adorable. Um, I don't want to harp too long on magic items. So, by the way, yeah, that was the spells section. Um, the spells are very cool. I like all of them. Take some time and read through over them if you'd like to. Um, but magic items is up next, and I don't want to harp on these for too long. Um, there are a couple of cool ideas in here. Specifically, there's one that like um, for monks actually just like ups their DC for their key features, which is mm-hmm. absolutely amazing. Um, but yeah, so there, we've got some class-specific magic items and um, a couple other cool things like some le- new legendary items. The Flail of Tiamat is featured, so if you're interested in that, take a look. And then the Gold Canary figurine of Wondrous Power. Um, figurines of Wondrous Power are in the regular DMs um, guide as well. But this one um, is a legendary one and has some really, really cool um, abilities that it can give you. Yeah, so it, um, it, it can either turn into a big canary... Which I believe you can reuse it, um, or reuse that function of it, uh, I'm not sure. Oh yeah, you can use it uh, every day like a regular, uh, yeah, like a regular (laughs) magic item. Or it can turn into a gold dragon form once, uh, and then it gets that ability back once a year has passed. But it becomes an adult gold dragon for one hour, um, that's friendly to you and your companions, which... You can see why that would be a... pretty (laughs) strong. Yeah, a legendary magic item. Um... Yeah, uh, but you have to be missing half your health. So, you know, you have to firebolt yourself a couple times in a row to get to below health and then summon your dragon friend. Yeah, yeah, for help. There's uh, no way I'd ever get to the dragon. I'd be riding that canary everywhere. Absolutely. <laughs> everywhere, Who doesn't want to ride a canary? Come on. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's almost the more viable feature here because... Yeah, um, there's a real-ass gun. Yeah, they do have a gun. What, the Topaz Annihilator? Um, cool name. Yeah. And Made by the, Smith & Wesson. Mm-hmm. They've got a few other uh, items that are uh, themed with uh, some of the, the new dragons. And it can disintegrate. Yeah. No big deal. <laughs> no big deal. So I believe if if you kill someone with that uh, that weapon off a basic shot, it actually turns them to dust to where they can o- someone can only be 
re- resurrected from a true resurrection, resurrection, true resurrection or a wish. Yeah, I think it is. So it's yep, yep. pretty insane. Yeah. So you kill someone with it, and it's like, oh well, there's no way they're coming back ever. <laughs> yeah. Cool. The um, so yeah, magic items in here are very cool, but um, I find a lot of them are situational. You know, depending on your characters, your build, um, whatever mm. you whatever you're willing to give out as a DM if you're running into these legendary items. Um, but let's go into the horde magic items. Yeah, so uh, this is maybe uh, one of my uh, more uh, favorite uh, parts of the book. So um, they've essentially they've set up some interesting aspects. Uh, relating to the dragon's horde, and they, they go even uh, deeper into that in chapter four. But um, but one of these features is uh, the way that being in a dragon's horde affects a magic item. So um, they have uh, this fun table here, uh, <laughs> horde item quirks, where uh, if you pull a magic item from a dragon's horde, it may have one of these weird features, uh, something like uh, what it uh, the weapon might uh, point back. In the direction where the uh, the horde uh, was, like it misses home or something, or like just that. knowing draconic, yeah, you can pick it up and it's like, oh, I know draconic now. Mm-hmm. So, um, but but the the main cool thing is uh, horde magic items that increase in power. Yeah. Um. So they uh they may uh, spend x amount of time in in a dragon's horde and then uh, become more powerful uh, the longer they stay there. You think of like a, a magic item like Excalibur that's been, uh, you know power or made more powerful by the, the time it spends dormant like the master mm-hmm. sword from zelda yeah something like that um th- they've got that built in here so there's these uh different magic items that um they have like unawakened forms of, yeah they call it slumbering form and then uh it becomes more powerful uh the longer it stays in a in a horde i like this concept a lot i've seen it um the idea of magic items that become more powerful uh over time used uh, a lot like on uh, supplements on DMs Guild and uh, and some other D and D creators that I uh, that I follow. I, I more than just uh, magic items that get more powerful in a horde, though. I really like the idea of items that uh, become more powerful by you know training complete, with them. Yeah, you're training yeah. with them or, or like completing a task like a um, uh, uh, sword of of storms that becomes more powerful. Under like gale force winds or something, yeah. So, uh, like, so, so like situational things, like oh, this is more like maybe it's one that's more powerful in the dark. So mm-hmm. you know it's more powerful when you're in a cave or when you're in a dungeon. But like if you do this in broad daylight, you know it's just a regular sword. Yeah. Um. So that's not what they're selling here. They're specifically um selling items that get more powerful. Uh, the longer in they a spend horde. in a dragon's horde, which yeah. is a cool idea. I don't think I'll find myself using that very often. Um. It's a very situational like bit of information, but, I mean, I'll keep it in my back pocket, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, it's another little tool to use. Mm-hmm. I do uh, like the flavor of what we were talking about before uh, we started the podcast, where, um, rather than it being in the horde and growing in strength, you could also trade it to another dragon, and they could imbue it with its power, or you give it to another dragon because it's been in multiple dragons' hordes. You know, it gets different kinds yeah. of abilities. I like, the, I like the idea of changing weapons <laughs> with the dragons. <laughs> so, I, for this next part... I'm actually a big fan of some of these draconic gifts. Um, the fact that you take power from a dying dragon, um, sort of like in Skyrim, whenever you have a shout and you can kind of, you know, just suck in its soul, uh, getting getting that shout soul. Basically, you know, the, the dragon dies, and let's see, it has an obvious visual manifestation. 
Let's see. The result of this investiture can vary widely in power and impact from a minor charm to a complete transformation. So, yeah, and I think you're you're looking at uh, a different. The yeah, different gifts right here. Well, uh, death of a dragon is in chapter three, but th that's sort of what you're talking about, I believe. Yeah, when, yeah, yeah. When the dragon dies. Um, so the death of a dragon can result in it in its power taking root in a character. Yeah. Um. So if you your characters are going after a powerful dragon. Maybe you give that uh, dragon a draconic gift to bestow, and it bestows it upon whichever player kills it. So whoever gets that final blow is going to get this draconic gift. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just a cool idea to power up um, a player and also make that kill seem really, really, like, special. Uh, and maybe you make the, you know, the Skyrim effect happen where it becomes skin and bones, all of its scales come <laughs> off and become part of you or something. Yeah, that, that's exactly the, the flavor that they seem to be going for here. Yeah, so they seem to be going for that exactly, but I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of the idea, not only the ones that are in this book, but using my own in the future. Mm -hmm. um, what do you guys think? Yeah, um, it, it's cool that they specify that dragons uh, are sort of a grantor of these sort of gifts. Um, I don't necessarily think that they needed to include these in here. Um, but it, it's a nice way to, to fill up some space. Um, but th they provided uh, a lot of good options for epic boons and uh, ways that uh, players can be given gifts or charms or whatever in the, uh, the Dungeon Master's Guide uh, as well. I, I see no reason why a dragon wouldn't be able to bestow that kind of gift as well. Yeah. Uh, and I do like the, uh, the dragon's death being a, uh, mm -hmm. a, a source of one of these gifts, perhaps. So... Um, definitely cool stuff, um, and, and this also goes hand in hand with like uh, dark gifts that they had in uh, in Van Richten's guide yeah. to Ravenloft as well. So um, I, I like the ideas at play here, and uh, giving dungeon masters uh, sort of permission to make their character or players' characters more powerful um, without leveling up or getting magic mm -hmm. items or that sort of thing. Yeah, I think directly after reading that, uh, I decided this is actually one of my favorite features of the book. Uh, I think I will be using this in all the games I run. Personally, I don't use a lot of dragons, and if I use them, they're major bosses. They've they've been overhyped. They're a, a big bad enemy towards the end of the game. So I see no reason why, as you kill it, you couldn't get some kind of gift. It doesn't have to be anything as grand as some of the the higher level things in the book were, like feats. It could be anything from just being able to speak draconic to, I don't know, you have you know immunity to the the dragon's breath. You know, it could be anything I, in between. I wish I had thought of something like this whenever uh, you guys killed Blue Dragon Emrith. Um, <laughs> I, w I was going to say Blue Dragon Eric, and then I just went straight into her name. Yeah. Um, but when you guys killed Emrith back in uh, last campaign, I, I wish I had had something like this so that when Eknon does his big speech and strikes that final blow, like a huge magic, like a magical effect goes off and he's bestowed with a gift for it. Like, mm -hmm. that would have been very cool and very climactic for the campaign. So I wish I had thought of something like that before, and I, I agree with you. I think I'll be using it in the future, too. If you want to make up for it, you can give my character now lightning abilities. No. Just to... No. Well, I mean, just to level up no. the playing field. You know? No. Oh, okay. No, I like, think I'm good. Next campaign. Okay. Um, let's go into chapter three now, guys. Um, this is all of the... This is the lore section. So it's called Dragons in Play, but I will just treat this as uh, chapter three, the lore. <laughs> yeah, so um, really what they include here is just tips for DMs about um, how you might run or create dragon characters in your games. Um, they've got tons of different uh, tables for you to use uh, and just different uh, ideas and thoughts to do with what you will. Um, there's a bit about dragon reproduction and um, some of the different ways that dragons can reproduce. And, um, and they what they make very prevalent in here is they give you... 
examples and tell you this is how it could be in your world. They don't say this is how dragons do this. They say this is how dragons could do this or they can do it this these million other ways. So there, there's like eight to 12 options with each of these different things, like how you should treat your dragons as gods, um, different dragon factions that there could be, um, how they reproduce, like you said earlier, and like how they would use magic and such. And I'm I'm a big fan of that only because like I hadn't thought of half of the things I read in this book. There were there were a lot of things go, when I was going through that I was like, oh, I, I had never thought of that before. And having those ideas now for my campaigns in the future is really good to have in the back pocket. Um, this is my favorite section because it gives me lots to work with. Yeah, yeah. And, and so they do give you plenty of um, just... N- I'll say maybe even just a little non-committal uh, in the way that it's presented, um, but they give you plenty of uh, DM fodder uh, for for your ideas right. to expand upon uh, how you want. Uh, additionally, uh, like we were talking about before, there's the bit about uh, when a dragon dies, what sort of things might happen. Um, not just uh, a player gets a, a gift necessarily, right. but um, in its death throes, maybe something negative happens or uh, or it affects the world in some way. Um so that's cool. Uh, and there's, there's a lot of stuff for, like, um, what kind of minions a dragon would have, dragons, uh, and, and ideas for adventures that you could run uh, with dragons. So giving you adventure hooks in a book is one of the things that I'm always going to be appreciative of, appreciative of because I could be writing a campaign or, like, an arc and be like, oh, what do I fill in here for this dragon arc? And then just be like, oh, well, here's 12 hooks for me to work off of really quick. And if nothing else, it's a perfect one-off idea for you and a bunch of friends if you just want to play D&D really quick. Yeah, well, Great ideas. in terms of one-off, I would say the the Chapter 4 is going to give me way more uh, one-off options, which that's where we get into like their layers, their hordes, and all of those different things. I could come up with a whole one-off just picking one of these layers um, in here and then rolling on each of the tables really quick to make the dragon and be like, all right, one-off created. I had to do no work. <laughs> <laughs> just pull the shit out of the book. You're yeah, go. like literally. Yep, yep. Um, so th- this is, uh, again, like I was saying, probably uh, one of my favorite things is how they uh, describe hordes. They've got uh, cool, I- interesting quirks that a, a horde might have or uh, have. Uh, additionally, regional effects that it may have. Um, uh, there's a bit about haunted hordes and uh, haunted magic items uh, within uh, the hordes, that sort of stuff. Um, d- just a lot of good options. And also, um, like Seth, you were mentioning, they've got just... Uh, the horde tables where they give you all right this is what a typical dragon's horde might look like if it's a adult or a wormling or whatever uh, and they give you uh, places to roll uh, for you know what sort of treasure might be included um the the next section uh the dragonomicon yeah dragonomicon um that again great for one-offs they basically go through every kind of um standard dragon so uh, the uh, chromatic dragons, metallic dragons, and then also the uh, gem dragons. I believe they also include a little bit about some of the uh, other fringe types, like uh, shadow dragons and that sort of thing as well. Which I did appreciate because I did not understand the lore of them very well, like the shadow dragon stuff. They're a bit confusing. I think, um, I think when you get to the Shadowfell with a lot of creatures, it does get a little kind of weird. Yeah, so I, I actually wasn't aware before reading this book that there were like echoes of dragons that existed in like all kinds of different realms. You know what I mean? Like... There's a there could be an Emrith in the Feywild or like let's let's go with Felgalos. There could be a Felgalos on the material plane, the Feywild and the Shadowfell that all exist, and um, one of them could have thing could do something that affects the other two. And I was like, oh, that is awesome because you could have an 
enemy that you go after in in a campaign at early level get rid of that enemy and oh no the two brothers like the brother and sister the the echoes in the other realms uh have found out about this and now they're after you yeah so and, and that's one of the the big lore points that they've um so th- that's as far as i uh, i understand this is new to this book is the idea of echoes of dragons um, which may not even, uh, like you were saying, they could exist over other planes, but uh, even like between material planes. So like um, the, an idea of Bahamut exists in Forgotten Realms and in Greyhawk and in Dragonlance. Right, right. Um, or... Um, Eberron. Yeah, yeah, it, it, exactly. So uh, your dragons could also have that sort of uh, thing going on. And um, a, a, as we're sort of talking about this, one of the, uh, or the, the biggest... Uh, uh, fruition uh, that this comes to in the book is the idea of great worms, um, which shows up in the bestiary. I think we can uh, <laughs> sort of start talking about that. Yeah. As so well. uh, let me one second. Um, as far as the Draconomicon, I like the section. I I'm not gonna use it that much because it's just a bunch of tables for each of the dragons. I don't learn that much. That I what I like with these lore books is I like to read the paragraphs about like the lore and everything. And all of the lore came in the earlier sections. While here, um, I get maybe like two or three columns of of lore, and then the rest is all tables. So I think the Draco Nomicon's cool. But yes, the second half of the book, the Bestiary. <laughs> so this is chapter six, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, and additionally, uh, just. Before we uh, we close the book on the Draco Nomicon, uh, I do like that they have maps for the, pretty much any yes, kind of it's, dragon. It's layer. always my favorite whenever they provide me maps. Yeah, so that's um, nice and helpful and handy. Uh, you can get your maps from wherever you like, but they give plenty of fodder for that as well in there. Um, but yes, so the bestiary. There's a ton of monsters in here. Um, one of which being the Great Worm, which uh, I'll go ahead and talk about that a little bit. The idea of a Great Worm is really cool. Yeah, so it's like a um, an ancient dragon that has become aware of its uh, other echoes and has either absorbed them or ascended with them to take all of the aspects of itself and then become this heightened, uh, you know, almost godlike uh, dragon. It's of, a Voltron dragon. Yeah, of Ooh. massive size. <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh, just really cool. I, I like the idea of different uh, echoes. It sort of speaks to the multiverse. Um, you can imagine a Spider-Man where all the different Spider-Men yeah. <laughs> fuse together and then become the idealized version of him. Um, <laughs> that's sort of what uh, what's going on here. Um, so... Just really cool. Uh, the, the, I'm sorry, that was so funny. <laughs> I'm just imagining Spider-Man just fusing with Miles Morales and Spider-Gwen. Oh, no. And becoming just a three times larger giant Spider-Man. Yeah, Perfect. a giant Spider-Man that raises cities to the ground. <laughs> well, that's um, what they no, decided to do. They decided yeah. to take these ancient dragons. Like, you know what? They're not strong enough. They let's should be Spider-Man. Great worms. Why, yeah, and let's give them Spider-Man abilities. Why but what, what does get me weird about the Great Worm is I feel like they should be a higher CR. Really? Well, yeah, so here, here is my two cents about... Um, I'll, I'll discuss the, the Great Worms, but also a lot of the monsters uh, in the in the bestiary. So they're all dragon-themed. Uh, big shock Duh. there. Um, but one interesting thing, I'm not sure if you guys have noticed, but I've been waiting to talk about this. Um, the Frightful Presence is gone from all oh. of these, yeah, all of these dragons. Um, you know, I did e- Even notice. the aspect of Tiamat, 
uh, CR-30 dragon, uh, you know, with five heads, the, the typical Tiamat that uh, we all know and love. No, that's not scary. <laughs> like, huh. you, would, you wouldn't be frightened of that. Which huh. uh, So, on the one hand, uh, thinking about this as a player, I love that. No, my, I, my least favorite thing about fighting dragons as a player is everyone roll a wisdom save. Fuck, I'm frightened. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's I was gonna say that. Uh, I'm I'm glad that's been done. Yeah, because I think the frightful presence is useful, but you know, as as a DM, it's useful because sometimes a dragon can be a little underwhelming unless you have something like that if you don't run it correctly. But if you've designed your dragon correctly uh, and you frightful presence and everyone fails, TPK. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. It, <laughs> I've had and I've had dragon fights where I've had a player be down for the whole entire encounter because they failed their frightful presence and they couldn't fight the whole time. And that's just crippling. Honestly, it's crippling to the session. It's crippling to the player. I'd rather add some minions yeah, to the fight. You I know, agree. add some draconic minions to the fight or something, and boom, you've got it. Which, if your players are going up against a great worm and you add minions, you're sadistic, and you shouldn't be doing that <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Um, but I guess tying into the Frightful Presence... I mean, I feel like my Great Worm would have some minions. Of of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) I'm I'm thinking, in regards to the Frightful Presence, right, with other dragons, it prevents you from getting up to them, it makes you want to run away, it makes it harder for you basically to engage the dragon, right? When you get these Great Worms, you don't want to engage the dragon. You don't want to go sit up to this thing and start wailing on it. It's it's scary as it is, so I frankly don't think they need it. No, I... I agree. I think that I think it's a smart decision on Wizards' part. Um, so, um, thank you, Wizards. Not sponsored. Yeah, and, and so um, <laughs> that, talking about that, here's my uh, my game theory uh, going forward. Um, so, it's my current understanding for uh, Mordenkainen's uh, Monsters of the Multiverse. Uh, that's coming out what in January or whatever. Is that really January? Yeah. So oh, they're I'm buying that. Yeah. Now. So so they're gonna be <laughs> <laughs> um, they're enhancing and uh, revisiting a lot of the old monster stat blocks uh, and then adding some new ones as well it is my understanding i think they might be going back to those original dragons and uh, providing updated stat blocks which aren't in this book they don't have uh, the original metallic and chromatic dragon uh, but uh, i'm thinking they're gonna remove that frightful presence because it is just so annoying <laughs> yeah uh, if anything it makes I- a dragon fight annoying and not fun and dragon fights should be scary and fun yeah, I, I would think like a um, a shadow dragon. Sure, that's like its whole thing. It, it's affected by the the shadow fell. That could be frightening. Yeah. That's fine. Or, or even like an ancient red dragon. Yeah, that can be frightening. But not every adult an ancient dragon. Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe it should just be more situational rather than universally dragons. Yep, yep. Um, but anyway, there are a ton of uh, monsters to go through uh, in the bestiary. We won't touch on all of them, but. Um, I'd like to discuss some of our uh, favorite things that are in here uh, and uh, some other things that we noticed. Uh, if anyone wants to, to start, I've been talking a lot. I would like to talk about the eye drake. Oh, <laughs> so gross, Because one, of the, one thing that I love in D&D is beholders. I love beholders. Um, they might even be... I might even go to say that the beholder category is my favorite category of monsters. They are really cool. Um, I don't use them as much as I'd like to, but I love me a good beholder. And... Taking a look at this eye drake, it is creepy. It is, it's just, it's funny to me. It's yeah. hilarious because it just imagine a beholder and a, a, say, an adult dragon and a beholder 
are in this like eternal conflict. They keep bullying each other, and now it's bothering the beholder so much <laughs> that he's having dreams about him. And now, now not only does the beholder have to deal with the dragon, but he's having dragon babies because of his stupid fucking dreams. <laughs> it's so funny. It's Don't so bully good. Beholders, you um, end up getting these. Things. It's it's good flavor if you want to make a, a beholder have like a. A dragon-themed beholder, and like actually give a beholder a horde and such, because it's it's gotten uh-huh. so hooked on the idea that it's part of this dragon, mm-hmm. like this whole interlocking combat with a dragon. Um, it can make good a good mission for like a mid-level character. Be like, okay, you can choose to help the dragon or the beholder, and they're in this they're in this conflict, and you have two separate dungeons made for them. That's I pretty mean, cool. There's some it, it gives it gave me cool ideas just reading the eye drink thing. Um, I I love the eye drink. I think it's funny. Um, and, um, I will probably use it. Yeah, I, I will say, um, the design's a little, <laughs> it's no. a little hard for me to, it's uh, I love it. It's perfect. I love it. It's perfect. But, but uh, I do love, um, so it's a CR8. It's, uh, a, just a little bit weaker than a typical Beholder. Um, it has a breath attack rather than, uh, it, a Beholder's gaze. So, um, it, it's got some cool bits and pieces about it. Um, not... <laughs> I'll say that you guys are alone in the excitement about the eye drake, though. Um, that, in my no. opinion, that's sort of a, um, you know, we've seen a mind witness and every flavor of beholder at this point, except a dragon one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so and now, now I have my dragon one. Uh-huh. Um, what I would like to talk about is not a dragon at all, um, but it's my favorite monster in here, uh, the horde mimic. So oh it, my god, it's so cool. It's so a mimic. Cool. Except it's an entire dragon's horde <laughs> is the mimic, uh, and this thing this is as powerful like, as an eye drake. This thing's, this thing's like, hey, you know, I could just be one chest, but you know what? I'm gonna be this whole room. <laughs> well, so, so what I love about it is that it can communicate uh, in common or telepathically. I, I'm thinking like a horde mimic, right? That, um, and they've got like this image here of like a magic sword on top of this pile of gold. I'm thinking like oh. you talk to your players like, uh, uh, I am uh, Excalibur, the magical weapon of whatever. Uh, and then like <laughs> you, you call out the paladin by name, come, claim your, your prize. And they're like, okay, magic sword. <laughs> and then you walk up, you get stuck to the sword as you grab it. A uh, big mouth opens up underneath you, and, now and you're everyone's being, rolling initiative. Yeah, baby. you're being eaten by this entire horde. No, I I love that. That's what I thought of when I saw the picture too. It's just like you go over that thing, and it just eats you alive. But no, I I agree with you. This is a very cool um, a very cool mimic, and I wish. I wish we just had a boat mimic now. I want a ship mimic. An entire boat. <laughs> That's so bad. That is so bad. A house. I want a haunted house, but it's all a mimic. I don't <laughs> want that. That's too scary. No. <laughs> that's, that's too scary of a monster. I can't do it. Um, Drew, do you have a favorite monster? Oh, okay. So one of my personal favorites is... Well, let me let me lead up to it, right? Everyone loves a Hydra, right? They're, you know, they're not super strong or anything. They're not super annoying as a player. But you know what? Let's make it a Draco Hydra instead. A Hydra that can fly. Absolutely. Let it fly, elemental damage. Let's give it extra opportunity attacks. All that wondrousness. It basically looks like a baby Tiamat is what it is. It's it's awful. I think it's a CR-11 this mm-hmm. thing is so cool. Just think think about a Hydra. It's cool. But the I heads are love, dragons. I would love to use it, especially on a group of players that have no, like, there aren't any of us. 
<laughs> you know, I would love to use that on a group of new players who have no clue what they're getting themselves into. They finally played to level 10, and I throw this baby at them. Oh, my God. And they're like, what is that? And I'm like, oh, it's just it's just a wyvern with five heads, and it's green. <laughs> oh, no. no, I like that, too. Um, I also had another one that I thought was pretty cool. The dragon follower section. I, I love any, like, you know character-based NPCs, you know, like, I, I love things that I can use as NPC stat blocks. Mm-hmm. Um, so, any any of these, you know, these could be three separate characters for me. The Dragon Blessed, Dragon Chosen, and Dragon Speaker. So, I like them. The Dragon Blessed is very cool. It's got a couple of different spells you can cast. Um, and the idea that a dragon actually bestowed magic on a servant and said, hey, mm-hmm. you represent me, you're blessed by me, that's really cool to me. Yeah. Um, as far as the chosen and speaker go, they're cool. Uh, I'll use them at some point, um, probably in in some sort of like combat. Um, maybe these guys will come in. Maybe they'll be defending a dragon when you when uh, a group of adventurers is attacking them. Um, I think they're cool. I like human based or like um, humanoid based NPCs and stat blocks. So I will definitely use all three of these. I agree. I think they're good minions for sure. Uh, I know that we're almost an hour into this episode at this point. But uh, I should mention, um, since we haven't already, uh, a big portion of this bestiary and the entire book is dedicated to these gem dragons. So if you haven't heard of the gem dragons, sort of their, um, they, they do add uh, in the, the foreword to the book sort of like a, uh, a revised uh, creation myth that you may apply to any of your, uh, uh, your campaign settings. But they include, uh, so they basically uh, have this poem uh, that speaks of Bahamut and Tiamat when they created the universe, and then they had a uh, uh, the, the first dragon that they create is... Sardior. Yeah, Sardior, uh, or Sardior, yeah, the ruby dragon, which uh, eventually was killed by the, the human um, uh, gods and, and that sort of thing, and then his uh, death uh, gave birth to the different gem dragons, so... Uh, what they've got here is amethyst dragons, crystal dragons, emerald dragons, uh, sapphire dragons, and topaz dragons. And then they also add a couple other uh, different variant of dragons. Uh, the deep dragons, which are uh, native to the underdark. I think those are pretty cool. And then moonstone dragons, which are, like, not fairy dragons, Astronauts. but... <laughs> 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 but, yeah, yeah um, they're, uh, they're actually native to the Feywild and, like, that, that yeah. sort of thing, so... Um, they're super cool as well. Uh, what was that last uh, monster that I just had to talk about? Uh, I just had it a second. Oh, yes, yes. So um, my uh, probably personal favorite and something I'm definitely going to... I'm going to squeeze it in here at some point uh, once you guys forget that I've talked about it here. Uh, the ghost dragon is yes. just so cool. Oh. Um, and, and it's the one uh, monster in this whole book uh, as far I, I may have uh, missed it somewhere else, but it does have a frightening feature locked to its breath weapon, uh, where it uh, it uh, I believe it does yeah cold damage and then uh, can frighten uh, depending on if you fail to save or not. So uh, it, it's just I mean finally it's great, it's great. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, um, and uh, and the idea of using it after you've killed a strong dragon and it comes back because it's so attached to this whatever like its body and the place it's at and its horde that it comes back as a ghost dragon. Very very flavorful, very very fun. Yeah, additionally, uh, the hollow dragon. Is I really read cool. that. I read that. Yeah, which is like a uh, a metallic dragon, um, but basically like a revenant. Yeah. So it comes back because it's got unfinished business. Um, not necessarily evil, but it's got something that it needs to do. 
Um, and it's just like the hollow. It's like a flame place. skull too, where yeah. it like when it dies, it, like if you kill it, it comes back six days later, um, or one d six days later, mm-hmm. um, and it reforms at the head. So all of its parts, if they're within six miles of each other, teleport back to the body and reform. Yep, Which yep. I think would be a crazy cool adventure, defeating this dragon and then separating its body parts to different towns or planes that it can't reform. Yeah, that's so cool. And then uh, maybe eventually some people bring it back, you know. By accident or on purpose. Um, should we talk about the Draconians at all? Um, they're not, so we get more humanoid-like dragons in this book um, called the Draconians. They're basically minion-like servants to a dragon who did not want to have offspring but has eggs and ends up cursing their eggs in order to create minions known as Draconians. Um, when they die, they explode. And they explode? <laughs> they explode. Yes, they explode dealing damage. Yeah, and so um, that maybe they were stolen and cursed by a by a mage, but I, I think the idea is one uh, dragon egg gives birth to multiple draconians, yes. uh, which would be the the benefit of just not letting it uh, become a regular dragon. Um, I'm gonna be honest, y'all. Uh, I hate this. <laughs> I, I think we've got enough human-looking dragon things. We've got dragonborn, half dragons, uh, Abishai, lizard folk. Other types of lizard, humanoid people, like salamanders, newts. I'm done with it. We need no more dragon people. Um, These are fine. These are fine staff I get it. I I looked at them. They're cool minions. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do agree. Like, let's get some new stuff. I I think they're cool. You know, we get get another dragon mage stat block. um, And a couple more things that these minions can do that others can't. Uh, what you said before was was cool, you know, having a mage who stole the dragon egg and cursed it to make draconian servants. That's probably where I would use this. That's that's probably the one and only place I would use this. Yeah, but, but it's good for low level. They're all fairly lower CR monsters. And then let's talk about the art on page 180 and how bad this picture is. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what is that? Well, it, it's just a, n- another draconian. It's a draconian, but he's one. got like scary furry purple scales. Yeah. I'm good. No thanks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I won't run that. Anyways, let's get to our final thoughts on the book, guys. Um, I want to start with Drew. I want to know Drew's final thoughts on the book. I'll be honest, this, uh, I was kind of like, eh, what, I'm not sure about it. And then I really sat down and read through it for about an hour and I loved it. I think it's a fantastic book. It dives so far into extra flavor and lore that you can use in your campaigns, your world building to really uh, get that that nice feel of a dragon setting. Um, if you're, you know, the average player, you you might not. This might not be the first book you get, uh, just because there's not a lot of like class options and things like that. But if you're if you're world building, if you're a DM, you love dragons. This is the book to do. I've got a lot of thoughts here. Um... So, now that we've sort of laid out everything that this book has to offer, I'm going to go ahead and say it. I'm a little... I'm not underwhelmed. I'm perfectly whelmed with this book. Perfectly So, there's a lot of interesting options here. They give you good DM thoughts for dragon-specific stuff. My biggest issue is I feel like Wizards really wanted to add in some lore... Uh, to bring in the gem dragons, because people think gem dragons are cool. Um, and so they needed to justify a whole-ass book <laughs> to do just that. So um, there's some good ideas in here, um, but this almost feels like a uh, very high-quality, premium DMs Guild uh, supplement, where they give you some uh, some player options, and they've got some cool tables for you to roll on and, and all that, but... 
Um, ultimately, I don't think that I needed this many options for dragons. Like, it, I'm not going to run a whole campaign with just dragons because my players are going to get sick of it. Dragons are a sometimes food, and when used, you know, <laughs> sparingly and, and, you know, very specifically, they're awesome. But I, I, maybe I'll, I'll pull one or two of these from here, but I, I, I don't know about you guys, but we barely use dragons as is. I still, we haven't fought a red dragon ever, and <laughs> I, I don't want to, you know, um, turn me and my players off to that just by uh, muddying the waters with, all right, now let's run into six more different types of dragons. <laughs> like, okay. Um, that, I, I felt the ones that we had were, were fairly special already. Um, that, that said, no... Um, uh, not speaking ill of this book, because I do like uh, the quality of everything in here. Uh, it's awesome. Like I was saying, I love the uh, the monk subclass. I really like the ranger one. It's cool. Um, the, the magic items and ideas at play here are awesome. Um, the artwork is fantastic. But ultimately, I just... Uh, I don't know if this was a whole book. I almost feel like they could have thrown gem dragons into the next monster manual uh, and called it there. I have thoughts as well. Um, I agree with both of you in that I like the book. It was fun for me to read. Um, as a forever DM, I DM every single Friday and play maybe once, maybe, maybe six or seven times a year. Um, <laughs> as a, as a forever DM, it gave me a lot of ideas and stuff that I can use in my campaigns. Maybe I would consider, you know, using the echoes that they brought up with characters as well, not just dragons. Um, maybe I would, I would consider using, um some of these magic items and reflavoring them and the ideas they brought along with it. But I do agree that there's a lot of stuff in here and I wouldn't run an entire campaign based on only dragons. Um, would I use some of these for some one shots for some new players? Hell yeah, I would. Um, would I use some of this stuff for um, one single dragon encounter that um, maybe took, you know, 10 to 15 sessions to solve the arc with the dragon? Yeah, absolutely I would. Maybe you guys stumble across a horde. Maybe you guys stumble across something like that. But I feel like this book is very much a DM book. This is a book for DMs. Um, and it's there if you need supplemental things to, to learn about dragons. Uh, I didn't really need it. I really enjoyed it. I like stat blocks. and But I do find that the fact that my favorite monster in here was the Idrake um, <laughs> is, a, is a little bit telling. So, uh, I love seeing giant stat blocks, and we get a lot of those in here. You know, we get the Great Worms, which is probably, other than the, you know, me liking the Idrake and some of the, the subclasses, the, the, my favorite thing otherwise is the Great Worm. I think the Great Worm is a great idea of, you know, multiversal dragons who have, who have literally traveled across planes to find their echoes. So, that's super duper cool, and I like the idea of Great Worms. Um, the rest of it? I've seen I've seen a Tiamat stat block before, and this looks very similar. I've seen a Bahamut stat block, and um, the Draco Hydra. You know, we do get some cool cool things in the the bestiary, but otherwise, yeah, it's good. <laughs> it's a good book. Yeah, uh, sort of sort of my thoughts on it as well. Um, we didn't mention as 
uh, well, but with those great worms, they do have um, they're they're considered mythic creatures. So like oh, with Mis- I love mythic, the mythic action. Yeah, mythic, mythic action. Yeah. It's a it's a phase two boss fight. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that, which they added that in in a uh, mythic Odysseys of Theros. They okay. had some of those um, high level Greek mythology creatures had this uh, sort of thing. So I, I like to see that they're still using that idea. It wasn't yeah, just and, a, a and without yeah without um, going too much more into it, the mythic actions basically give the boss a second wave it gives it health back gives it some extra abilities and um gives it back a legendary resistance type type of stuff so you, you know when you beat that god it just you know it wasn't really that hard you and know, you need just to, you really got to double tap the god you yeah, know what i mean yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i was running into that a lot with my campaigns you yeah know, where my players were just steamrolling gods like you know what let's give him god level two okay so i'd like to i'd like to rate out of 10 i want to know out of 10 what do you think drew uh i'll give it I'm gonna give it a seven point five. Zach, uh, I feel like anything below a seven means that I didn't like it. Um, so I'll give it a seven. Um, but overall, that I, I think more than uh, out of ten, I would like to say this is worth a purchase as a DM. It's only thirty dollars at uh, at launch. Uh, and, on and, Amazon. Yeah, on Amazon. Uh, or I, I believe if you buy it from the, the Wizards site. And I already well. said it once, but this episode was not sponsored by Wizards. We probably should have said that close to the beginning. Uh, we are not doing this as a sponsorship. Uh, we might even add it in in post. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> um, and for me, just to narrow it out, because I'm on the same page as both of you, 7.25. I will rate it 7.25. <laughs> Our full rating for um, Fizzband's Treasury of Dragons is 7.25. And I, I think that's fair. I think we all liked it. Or like We liked reading through it as DMs ourselves. We, um, But realistically, a player doesn't need to buy this book. Have them purchase um, Tasha's in the player's handbook first. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you guys very much for joining us this week on, well, Table Talk Friday. We'll be back in a couple of days for a regularly scheduled episode. This was a bonus episode and quite a long one at that. So thank you guys very much for listening. Um, character. Take it away. No, give it back. Thank you for listening to Table Talk Friday. For more D&D content, follow these humans on Twitter at Table Talk Friday and be one of the first to write into the show by sending in your questions and episode suggestions. Send these inquiries to tabletalkfriday at gmail.com. And last but not least, come back next Friday for another episode. Thank you.